0: Welcome to Pure Heart Church Podcast, Becoming Like Jesus. You're about to hear another inspirational message, and our prayer is that you are encouraged and one step closer to becoming like Jesus for the sake of others.
1: I wanna welcome you all in. Thank you so much for being a part of today's message. Last week, we started a series, I Was, but now I Am. Also wanna take a moment real quick and welcome our Crossroads Recovery family. We love you guys. So honored to be a part of your lives. And as we get ready to dive into week two of this series, I just wanna give you a warning up front we're gonna deal with an intense topic. Um, We believe in life, the battle is real. And so as a church, we're willing to get real and talk about the real issues of life. So we're gonna be talking today about depression, anxiety. Um, We're even gonna be dealing in a very serious way about suicide and suicidal thoughts. So we just wanna warn you up front: if that's a a place you cannot go or a place you do not wanna go today, we understand completely. Um, But if so, if you're ready to take the journey with us today, we are honored that you would be a part of this service. And so last week, here we go. Last week, I started uh, the series with this idea, this template that we can use to tell our redemption story. And the template was this. I was, fill in the blank, I was broken. I was overwhelmed. I was lost. And But now I am healed, set free, strong. I was, but now... I am. Here, here's a definition of redemption. Here's some of the understanding of redemption. It means uh, to pay a ransom, to set free, to heal, to make whole, to restore, to save and on and on. There's such a powerful word, redemption. And so today we're gonna focus on the redemption of our heart, not our not our physical heart, that other heart, that other invisible part that philosophers and poets and artists referred to. That thing that got broke, you remember that part of you that got broke in ninth grade when what's her name said, I just wanna be friends and put you in the friend zone. It's that part of us that swells with pride when we see our kids doing something great. It's a part of us that gets all nostalgic when we hear an old journey tune. I know I'm really dating myself now my age. It's the part of me that that just beats faster when Nicole sits down next to me at church. It's amazing that after all these years, 22 years of marriage, my heart still races when my wife, my beautiful Italian wife sits down next to me. Uh, It's mysterious, it's wonderful, at times incredibly confusing. Our heart enables us to love, to laugh, to feel deeply and to truly experience life. But let's just be honest, life can be hard on our heart. And this world is full of all kinds of outside influences that have the power to disrupt and distort the rhythm of our heart. Pain and disappointment can traumatize our heart. So let me ask you a very deep and important question. How's your heart doing these days? Chances are, um, you rarely stop to think about your heart. And and really, why should you? There's meals to fix, there's calls to return, there's work to do, there's bills to pay. Come on, can I get a witness? There's bills to pay. There's shows to watch. Come on, we gotta binge um, watch some Netflix. There's homework to do, young people, practices to go to, posts to make, and friends that you just have to text. Who's got time to think about their heart? And if at the end of a long day, you get caught up on all of these things and someone asks, how are these? How are, you how are things going? How are you doing? You can smile and sigh and say, fine. But John, when he talks to me and asks that question, he's not asking the question, how's your to-do list? He's not asking me about the things I have to get done in ministry. He's asking me, Dan, how is your heart? That deepest part of you that can often be the most vulnerable part, part of you. Uh, but this is a different kind of question. Uh, it's a more important question. It's a Sometimes it's an awkward question. Uh, maybe lately you've been able to, for a long time, you've been able to contain your anger, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seems like there's an edge to your voice. Um, people say something to you and boom, you get triggered and hello, Mr. Nasty. And you get upset and you fly off the handle. Outbursts seem to slip through your normally ironclad filter and you can't seem to contain the frustration. Maybe you find yourself saying things like this. I can't believe I just said that. I don't know where that came from. I can't believe I did that. And my favorite, that's just not like me. But today, can I just go a little bit deeper and a little bit farther with you? Maybe it's not things that you've been saying lately like that, maybe it's something that you've been thinking that there's just no way you would say it out loud. I can't keep going. It's just not worth it anymore. I'm more of a burden than a blessing. I can't remember the last time I was truly happy or maybe um, I don't think I'll ever be happy again. You see, that's the place I, I wanna go with you today. That's the the spot that Jesus himself today wants to reach into and to help you with today. Understand something very deep. God designed us to live from the inside out. That's why the writer of Proverbs in chapter four, King Solomon, verse 23, King Solomon writes these words, above all else, Solomon's like the most important thing, above all else, guard your heart. And then he says this, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do, the way that you live, how you respond, everything you do, the motivation all comes from way down deep inside. It comes from your heart. I've told this story many times over the year when my years, when my daughter Abby was a little girl. I used to travel every once in a while up to Prescott, Arizona, Northern Arizona, just a couple hours away. And there was a gift shop up there and I'd always buy Abby something and bring it home. And, and I remember one day I bought her this glass diamond, huge glass diamond. There's a picture of it coming up. You can take a look at this. And, and this glass diamond really is going to ruin her future husband. He, there's no way he's gonna be able to measure up with the diamond ring he's gonna buy. But anyway, I keep going. I bought her this glass diamond, I brought it home. And I said to her, I said, Abby, This is very, very precious. Be very, very careful with it, okay? And she looked at me with her big brown eyes. She's like, yeah, daddy, yeah, daddy. And boom, she took off and she was doing her thing. And about two hours later, she came barreling into the kitchen where I was standing next to the sink. And she's like, daddy, and just tears rolling down her face. She goes, I broke it, I broke it, I broke it. And I remember running into the other room, like broke what? What did she break? And there on the floor in a billion pieces was this glass glass. Diamond and it was everywhere. And she was just weeping. And I said, Oh, baby girl, come on. And I said, It's gonna be okay. And I put it on the couch. I got a broom. I swept everything up, put it in the dustpan, and 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 put it in. I said, It's that's yeah, it's okay. Dad's gonna take this and I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna make it right. Don't worry about it, everything's gonna be okay. So I took the dustpan with all the broken glass shards in it out of the room, and she went into her room and um, consoled herself for a little bit. A couple of weeks later, I was back up in Prescott, Arizona. And I went back in that gift shop and I bought her another one of those diamonds and I brought it back home for her. And I remember meeting her in the living room I said, sweetheart, come here, I wanna show you something. Let me show you something. Daddy Daddy fixed it, daddy got you another one. And so she looked at, in her mind at that age, she probably thought I put it all back together, which only God can do something like that, all right? And so she goes, dad, and she was so excited. And she took off running with both hands around at this time, both hands as fast as she could into her bedroom, shut the door, boom. A few weeks later, I was thinking about using it as an illustration in a sermon. So I went into her room to try to find this glass diamond. I couldn't find it, I looked everywhere. I'm like, "What now what did she do? She didn't break it this time, now she's lost it or misplaced it. And I remember sitting down in the bed to look around as I sat on the bed, boom, I sat on something hard. And I'm like, what the world? And I, I kind of got up and I pulled back the sheets and there underneath the blankets was her little purse. And I unzipped her purse and inside her purse were just stuffed with all of these Kleenexes, all inside the purse. And I dug through the Kleenexes and there in the middle of all this tissue, all these Kleenexes was that diamond. And about that time she walked into the room and she looked at me, and she goes, daddy, you've, you got my diamond. You got it? And I said, yeah, baby. I said, what's it doing in your purse? Why, why you got all this tissue in here? She goes, oh, I'm protecting it. I protect it because I don't want it to break again. Many of us have had our hearts broken into a billion pieces. You understand that part of you that gets shattered, that you have no idea how you're gonna put it back together again And today I wanna talk about God's ability to bring all those broken pieces back together. If you're new to Pure Heart, maybe this weekend you're listening to this sermon for the first time, the first time you've tuned in with us. What we want you to know is that we have a core value as a church and you're gonna experience that core value today. And you're gonna experience in a very, very profound way. Today, you're gonna get baptized into the key pure heart value of this. Listen to me. It's okay to not be okay, but it is not okay to pretend that you are okay and you don't have to stay stuck. And I know that for many of you, maybe you you grew up with this message from your family or from your friends or even the church. Maybe the message you heard growing up wasn't it's okay to not be okay and you, it's not okay to pretend. Maybe what you heard from your family, your friends, even your church was to fit in, you must pretend. To fit in, you must Pretend. Pretending is dangerous for your heart. Pretending does not guard your heart. Pretending makes our heart sicker. Matter of fact, we are only as sick as our secrets. That's the truth about us. We are only as sick as our secrets. And today I wanna encourage you to be able to open up your heart Let God in, let some other trusted friends in to help you with those things that you are carrying. Maybe this is the picture. Maybe this picture will make sense to you. A friend of mine sent it to me a while back and it's a picture of these two crackers. I I love this, these two pretzel crackers. And it's so good. And one side says outside and the other side says inside. Maybe you can totally relate to that today. On the outside, oh, I'm fine. Everything's perfect, everything's good. But on the inside, mm -mm, smashed to pieces. As a church, Pure Heart cares deeply about mental health issues, trauma, addiction, depression, PTS. We care deeply about these things because these things are byproducts of broken hearts of wounded hearts. I believe right now with what we're going through in this pandemic and the fear that we have faced for this prolonged 12-month period, we can handle a lot of things in a short period, a short burst of time. But for the last year, constantly being fed with fear, overwhelmed about what tomorrow holds or what could happen tomorrow and struggling with anxiety, I believe there is a a pain that's coming. I believe there's a a pandemic that's coming that's even greater than COVID-19. And don't get me wrong, COVID-19 has been massively destructive in many, many people's Lives. but there is a pain coming. There is a pandemic coming of the heart that I believe that we as a church have to be ready to help people like never before. Just like with COVID-19, death rates lagged those positive results. Those positive, you get all those positive numbers. How many people tested positive? And the death rate would lag those. And all of a sudden the death rate started to catch up. And we see a spike in the death rate and start to catch up with the spike in the, in the positive COVID tests that were being, that were being taken. I believe that there is going to be a lag time between the anxiety we've been experiencing and then the trauma and mental health issues that are coming along with this. I believe like a truck coming our way full speed. I'm talking to parents constantly who are telling me about their kids dealing and struggling with mental health issues. Six months ago, our daughter, Abigail, for the first time in her life, my little girl who's now 17 years old, for the first time in her life experienced a panic attack, had never had one before in her life. She came to me overwhelmed. She said, dad, I couldn't catch my breath. I was getting ready. I was in the bathroom. I couldn't catch my breath and I was so afraid. And she's had two of them now. And he said, dad, there's nothing more concerning for me than there's no way I can get to that. I don't know how to heal that. I don't know how to get to that place. No surgeon can get there to fix that. How do you help your daughter looking at you and going, dad, I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't breathe. I think it's time for the church to really wake up to these issues. We have an amazing opportunity ahead of us to help people. In, in, In 2019, in 2019, Nearly 48,000 people committed suicide in America. That's 130 people a day. Their brokenness got so deep. They said, it's not worth going forward. 1.4 million people attempted to take their lives. And that's just the people that we know about. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 34. Did you hear that? Ages 10 to 34, it's the second leading cause of death. It's the four, suicide is the fourth leading cause of death of ages 35 to 54. In 2020, 75% of young adults said they were dealing in a serious way with mental health issues. Trauma impacts us in places that no doctor, no surgeon is able to get to. We talk about this as a church. We, we are encouraged as a church to be a trauma-informed church. We work with our team, with our staff, with our leaders on what it means to be trauma-informed. We, we don't ask the question, what happened to you um, or what's wrong with you? We ask the question, what happened to you? We don't, we don't look at somebody's story and say, what's, what's wrong with you? We look at somebody's story and say, hey, tell us more about what happened to you. We care deeply about the brokenness of the heart. Uh, we, we use this illustration all the time. This hand represents your brain. Uh, the thumb represents your amygdala. This is all your feelings. This is your emotions. These four fingers represents the cortex of your brain. The cortex is meant to govern your emotions. It wraps around the amygdala and helps to govern your emotions. When you get hurt, when you get traumatized, when you get what they call triggered, boop, like this, when you get triggered, now all you're living on is your feelings and your emotions and your emotions can tell you it's not worth going forward. I am not a blessing, I'm more of a burden. Our emotions can lie to us and we are all seemingly triggered in 2020 going into 2021 and we are struggling with our emotions these days. And so, as I've said many times already today, this is a great time to share the hope and the power of Jesus. Listen to Jesus for just a moment. In Matthew chapter nine, verse 36, Jesus is traveling through all the towns and villages. Listen to what Matthew writes. Jesus has traveled through all the towns and villages in that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Just stop there for a second. When he saw, he was looking He was looking, he had compassion on them because now what was he looking for? What was he looking for? What was he paying attention to? I love this part because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Notice Jesus was not looking on the outside. He was looking at their hearts. He was looking past the outside where we tend to pretend I'm okay, I'm fine, everything's all right. He looked past that right to their hearts. And he said, they are confused and they are helpless. They are overwhelmed and broken. Then listen to this next part. This is so good. He says this to future leaders of the church, the disciples. He says this to the future leaders of the church. Did you hear me? He said this, verse 38. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send out more workers into his fields. See, pure heart, pure heart is an answer to that prayer. We are those workers that have been willing, and I love this about our church, willing to help people dealing with mental health issues. So many churches don't want to deal with these issues of depression and anxiety. They don't wanna deal with suicidal thoughts. They don't wanna, to, It's it gets too messy. We as a church are those workers who are willing to go and help those who are harassed and helpless and who are struggling with confusion. We love people. We care deeply about people. And we also love redemption stories. And throughout this series, we're telling some great stories. Today, we are gonna share a story from one of our leaders as he shares to me in the 27 years of ministry, this is probably the most powerful story I've been a part of. It happened to probably my closest friend, (laughs) the guy that I've served the longest with here at Pure Heart Church, Pastor Brian Bloom, my partner in ministry, my great friend. And here's part one of his story.
2: I've been serving at Pure Heart for 28 years. I moved out 28 years ago from Colorado to come to Pure Heart and uh, it's been my privilege to serve as the worship pastor for about the first 25 years of that and along that journey, uh, we had some real challenges in my family. My dad, my brother-in-law, my best friend from high school all passed away within about a 4-month period. My brother was also diagnosed with cancer at that moment and um, he died in December 2012. It was the most challenging moments of my life. I started sliding into a hole that I didn't know existed, and I couldn't figure out how to get out of that hole. And so I started seeing some, a counselor and started trying to get some things figured out. At that particular time, I changed roles here at church, became an executive pastor, turned over leading worship in the worship pastor position to my son, which was a, a phenomenal thing to be able to do to get, train your son and pass that mantle on to him. But in that new role, I became increasingly, increasingly more pressured that I was putting on myself of I gotta make this whole thing happen. It, it was an overwhelming thing for me. I just continued to put more and more pressure on myself I had some moments I was underneath my desk in the fetal position saying, I can't do this job, I can't do this job. And I got in the place where I started having thoughts that weren't good. Um, Started going down the road in my mind of, man, it would just be better if I wasn't here. I I wouldn't, not only would I not have the pressure, but then the feelings of guilt and shame of me not being able to do these things. And I kept having more of those and I kept going farther in a hole. And I didn't have answers. I just, I couldn't figure out how to get out of this depression that just kept consuming me more and more all the time. I went to a meeting at my son's house for worship leaders on a Saturday morning, December of 2018. My wife was with the rest of my family. They'd left for the zoo that morning, so I knew that my house was empty. I knew I was going back home to an empty house. As I drove away from my son's house, I said, today is the day. Today is the day that I stopped the pain. I stopped the stress. I stopped the feelings of disappointment. I'm not living up, I'm not being enough. And uh, I drove to my house. I got my handgun out of the gun safe. And I sat at the kitchen counter and I held the gun to my head.
1: It's so overwhelming to kind of relive what it is that Brian was going through in that moment. One of the most difficult moments I had in ministry was on a Saturday night, a couple years ago now. I finished my message and I was getting ready at the Glendale campus to head back to the back room. And as I was getting ready to head back to the back room, someone came up and got me and they said, hey, um, Pastor Brian and his family are in the prayer room and they need to talk to you. I remember going down the hallway towards the prayer room. As I got closer to the prayer room, I saw Larissa, their their daughter, their baby girl, their their youngest daughter, um, who's not a baby anymore. She was crying, tears flowing down her face. And I said, oh, Larissa, even before I got through the door, I said, oh, Larissa, sweetheart, what's wrong? What's wrong, are you okay? And she goes, it's not me, it's not me, it's dad. And I looked and I saw Megan's eyes and she was crying. And I looked at Brian and he was crying. And Brian said these words, I never, ever, ever thought I would hear my friend say, he was, I always tease him. I call him, you know, my dutiful older brother. He was the one that carried such responsibility for pure heart. He helped me walk through one of the most, most overwhelming times as a church family, as we had a restart as a church, as our founding pastor was asked to resign. And Brian walked through that with me. It was a tumultuous time. I looked to him for so much strength. And Brian looked me in the eyes and said these words. He said, Dan, and he just broke. He said, today, I tried to take my life. I never thought I'd ever hear those words come out of his mouth. And the reason that we're telling you this story today is because we want you to understand something. If you're dealing with suicidal thoughts, if you're wrestling with depression, if you're overwhelmed with anxiety, you are not alone. Even great leaders my friend, Brian, who go through difficult times in this life, even great leaders are susceptible to these emotions of brokenness, to these feelings of being overwhelmed. You are not alone. You don't have to carry this burden alone. You don't have to. Trauma impacts everyone. We don't get through this life with a trauma-free experience. And redemption, listen, redemption is needed throughout our lifetime. Throughout our lifetime. There's areas of our life. There's parts of our story. Healing comes in layers where we're gonna continue to need the redemption, the restoration, the wholeness, the setting free of Jesus in our heart. That's what we're going to need. It is a lifetime process until we get to heaven. L- listen, listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Listen to P- what Peter calls us to do with our trauma, with those painful things that we just can't carry, that overwhelm us, well, overwhelms us. Listen, he says, give all the word give here literally means you're carrying a box or something that's way too heavy for you. And you literally throw it to someone else. You you give it, this is too heavy, I can't carry it. He says, give all your worries and cares to God. Cast it on him, give it to him, bring it to him. Stop trying to carry it on your own. Give it all to God for, and you think to yourself, for what, for, for what For what reason? because he's powerful, because he's all wise, because he's more than able to handle it. No, that's, that's not where Peter goes next. He says, bring this to him. And I love this next thing, for he cares about you. This carries with it the idea of he's interested in, he's concerned about, and maybe some of you, maybe even in this last week, you've, you've said these words, God, do you even see me? Do you even care about what I'm going through? And maybe you've wondered to yourself, does anyone really care? I will tell you today, you are not listening to this message by chance. God put this on our heart. He put it on pastor Brian's heart to be willing to share this story because God cares about you. And he wanted you to know in this moment, you are not alone. Give it to him because he, cares about you because he loves you. Think about, think about in your life when you need help, who do you go to when you need help? When you really need help, who do you go to? I will tell you this about the person you go to. You go to them because you know they care about you. You know they give a rip about your life. That's why you go to them. They're probably not the person that's the smartest in your life. You probably have other people in your family who are incredibly smart, they're geniuses, but you don't go to them initially, you know why? Because you're not convinced they care about you. And Peter knew this and Peter understood this. And Peter said, the deep part of my heart, those most painful places, I don't know what else to do with. I go to the one who cares about me the most, the one who laid down his life for me and no one has loved me like Jesus. So cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And then Peter goes on, he says this, and stay alert. He's like, don't numb out. Don't give in to alcohol, shopping, sex, pornography, overeating. Don't numb out, stay alert. Why, 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 Peter? Why should we stay alert? He says this, for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's some powerful words in here in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament. This carries with it the idea that he's plotting to swallow or to drown you. The enemy tried to drown my great friend, Brian. And to watch it happen was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever faced in ministry. But his story has an amazing ending. Here's part two.
0: We'd start to see times where he would just kind of lose it or just emotionally just Something's off, why is he not being as talkative today? And so all those signs, like we knew something was wrong and we talked with him, but we didn't know the gravity. We had a worship leader meeting at my house and um, I could just see something was kind of off with my dad the whole meeting. Dad was going home alone and I was going home alone and when he left, he embraced my son and my daughter in a way that just was off, like he held them and as he held them, he squeezed them tight and he said, no matter what happens, know that I love you. And he kind of did something similar with me. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just putting this pressure on, on me, like in a good way to where you need to call your dad, you need to call your dad. And so I texted my wife and I said, something's going on. My dad was really off for some reason at the meeting. I'm going to call him right now, but would you just be praying? And so she actually... At that time, she reached out to the whole family and they started praying. And my mom could sense something too. And so she led our entire family, and extended family, they were in town in the parking lot of the zoo in a time of prayer. So it was right about that time when he had the gun to his head that I'd picked up the phone and called him. I said, Dad, what are you doing? And he told me what was going on. And I said, I know. God showed me this was going on and I needed to call you. He just started breaking down right there, right when I said don't do it, he started breaking down and when I got there I stayed on the phone until I got inside and then when I got inside I went to him and we we hugged and we started crying together and praying together and God just ministered to us both through that time and then when that period of time was over we just felt like the peace of God come into the room.
2: The fact that the Holy Spirit was speaking to Zach, he
0: was praying, my wife was praying,
2: I absolutely believe that that's part of the reason that God stepped in and rescued me, to show me his his love for me and how much he, he really cares
0: for me. My mom and I and some of the family, we started putting together plans for a worship and prayer night that night after. And we just gathered together and started worshiping. People would get up and speak into his life and share things about him that they'd seen in him. And God really, Allowed that time of ministry to just kind of hit the reset button in my dad's life, and that whole experience of what happened on that day, like started this healing journey that he that he began. I just told Dan what happened. He's such an amazing friend
2: and a great friend in that moment to me as well. And said, "Dude, we, we need to get you some help. I want to help you. Uh, we need to figure this out." Our staff was very gracious in in giving me a sabbatical, which is a three-month period to kind of just refresh and get my head right. And clearly, I needed that uh, in a big-time way, and he understood that and gave me the space that I needed.
0: And he and Mark totally supported me in the sabbatical. Being a pastor and being in, in ministry in general is not for the faint of heart, it's not an easy job. because. You're constantly pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and there's a lot of people that need your attention and, and 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 need help. My wife stepped up and you know was my champion,
2: telling people, nope, you just need to give him some space nope, he's not going to talk to you today, he's not going to do that he's not you know and it was just it was the space that I really needed and, and my wife loving
0: me in such a practical way having some healthy boundaries, even just with the church. He was able to spend time with counseling, spend time with the Lord. Ended up getting on a couple different medications that really normalized my brain chemistry and
2: found a counselor that I saw very frequently. He was a pastor that actually had struggled with this in the past in his own life, and now had become a counselor. And like, talk about a perfect match. God used him so much in my life. It was really
0: an amazing thing the things that the enemy means to harm us, God can redeem and use to bring healing to to other people's lives.
1: Brian and I have talked a lot over the last couple years about the journey that he was willing to go on. I've told him many times how proud I am of him, even as a leader, to be willing to lean in and to take that journey, to get healing, to get hope, to get strong again, that he's allowed his family into his life in a deep way. He's allowed me into his life in a deep way and other close friends that he hangs out with and prays with. He's been willing to go to therapy and to counseling and do the things that he needs to do to not only get free, but to stay free. In John chapter 15, verse 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. The disciples are overwhelmed. They're, they're overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. And Jesus is talking about the fact that he's gonna go away and where he's going, they can't come yet, but don't worry, I'm coming back for you. And they're just starting to freak out. And in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Not just to have peace, but so you'll have peace in me, in the relationship that you are going to have with me, you're going to find peace. And then he says this, it's it's very powerful. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. He's like, here's a promise. On earth, in this life, you're gonna have many. I wish he would have said, you know, you're gonna have a couple, two, maybe one. You're gonna have many trials and sorrows. Many of you can relate to that today. In this life, one translation says, you will have trouble, but we don't like that promise from Jesus. I say this all the time. You know, we don't like it. You don't find that promise at a Christian bookstore. You don't find it with a little precious moments figurine with a little girl holding a dead cat in this life. You will have trouble. You don't see a a Thomas Kincaid painting with a a little glass hut up in flames in this life. You will have trouble. But Jesus said, here's the truth. In this life, this is not heaven on earth. You will have trouble. You will have trauma. You will have to go through some things. But then Jesus looked at them and he said this. This is so good. But take heart. I love the fact that he uses that term, but take heart. Know this way down deep inside because I have overcome. I have redeemed. I, have, I am able to overcome. I am able to heal, to set free, to restore, to put back together that glass diamond. I am able to heal the brokenness of your life. I have overcome the world know this, counselors, therapists, medication, nutrition, exercise, all of that is very, very good for mental health. All that is is a possibility. It's something to, to look at, but medical treatment alone is incapable of reaching the depths of trauma by itself. We need a call from the great physician, Jesus Christ. I say this all the time. Meditation goes deeper than medication, nothing wrong with medication. I think medication has a very, very important part, but meditation on who Jesus is and what he is able to do can go deeper in your soul, deeper in your heart than medication can ever go. Now, this last part, this third and final part of Brian's story is so good because this is a part where God puts it back together and now uses that broken part of Brian's life to do incredible things that he never dreamed he'd be able to do. Here's the last part of his story.
2: You know, talked about counseling hugely helpful. Prayer for my family, but one of the things that I did um, is read in the Bible Psalms and Proverbs, Psalms and Proverbs, Psalms and Proverbs. That the first year, I just read that over and over and over again. And I think the biggest thing that I discovered, in a in a brand new fresh way, was how much God truly, truly loved me and was happy with me. Through that rescue, I. I I just know it in a different way in the depth of my heart of God loves me incredibly, is walking through life with me, is not waiting for me to try to do some amazing things so that he can be happy with me or proud of me or I've done enough. It's like, dude, I designed you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. Who I made, I'm happy with. I love you. I've got these amazing plans for you and you almost allowed the enemy to thwart those, but I've still got Lots of stuff for you to be, not to do, to be. He said, you, you have a role. You have a role at the Ooh. church, and it's not the role that you thought it was or that you in your mind you had thought this is what Dan needs from you. And Dan sat down with me and really clarified, man, I think that you just need to care and shepherd and pastor our staff. That's, who, that's what you actually have been doing for years while you've been worshiping and all the other things. But this is your sole role now. It was so freeing because I thought, is that really a job? <laughs> but as I've walked through the last almost two years of doing that, it's it's been so rewarding, so gratifying. I, I've got to share my story with a number of people as I've been able to minister to different folks on our team and even people outside. Um, it's just been amazing to see how God has used the brokenness to bring him glory and to help other people. With my wife, we presented this story at the Resilient Church Conference last year, February of 2019. We all hit COVID this last year. And so one of the things we did as a church is we, we reached out to everybody that called Pure Art home. We wanted to reach out and see how people were doing. Called this one lady and she said, uh, she said, last year I was at that conference that couple that shared their story, it, 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 it changed my life. I was really struggling with some things and to hear that couple share that was amazing. And I said to her, I'm that guy. And it felt so gratifying to know that I'd helped her. And then when I said I'm that guy, she opened up even more like, wow, well, let me tell you how your story's impacted not only me, But the people that I work with, as I've shared that story and talked with them, it opened the door to be more honest about some of those things. It was, uh, I know that God, not just for me, but for every one of us, wants to use the stuff in our lives, wants us to be in community, wants us to be around each other, loving each other, asking the tough questions. I've had great opportunities to minister to hundreds of people in our church. It's because of relationship because of asking those questions caring about people because when you share life that's when God uses everything that you've been through or that you're gonna go through to encourage and bless other people you know there's part of me that wishes I would have never had this happen in my life it did and I am so grateful God didn't cause it God used it my choices and His redemption and His rescue and His love. That's why I get to do what I do on a whole new level because of I know His rescue and His love for me. And I get to give that away to other people and encourage them. That's what gets me up in the morning. I love it.
1: I love it. The thing about Brian's story that is most powerful to me is that as God has put Brian's heart back together, as he has healed him from the trauma, all the loss that he had gone through, all those overwhelming emotions, and then, and just, and then just the shame and the stigma that went with what he attempted to do. The fact that he has allowed God to put him back in, together in such a beautiful, beautiful way. And now Brian is in charge of soul care, heart care for our entire staff. Pastor Brian, his number one role is today, he's the executive pastor over all of our staff. He meets with all of our staff every single, probably I think about every month, at least every six, seven weeks. He meets with a staff member and he sits down with them and he asks this question, it's so good, he asks this question, he simply says, how are you doing? Not, not, not how's your checklist for ministry? Are you getting all your stuff done? Hey, share with me your goals. Are you meeting your goals? No, no, no. How is your heart? I don't know anybody else better qualified on our team to help people overcome the trouble of our soul because in this life, we will have trouble. In this life, we will face trauma. In this life, we will go through difficulties. I don't know of anybody better to help our team to finish strong than Brian Bloom. And the thing I love about it is he has found incredible joy in this position. He told me just a little while back, he goes, I could never imagine doing what I'm doing today. He says, Dan, as a worship leader, it was great. Leading worship, I love it. I did that for 20, 20 some years, almost 30 years. But he says, I love talking with people, sitting with people, praying with people, helping people get free and unload the stuff that is in their heart. You see depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, they tell us it's not worth it. I'm more of a burden than a blessing. I don't know if I'll ever be happy again, but ask Brian Bloom if it was worth it. Ask him if it was worth it for him to get real, to find healing and to move forward. Ask Brian if he has found joy again, he'll say absolutely yes. Ask him if he is a blessing and he will tell you probably for the first time in his life, he really understands what a blessing he is through Christ into the lives of others. He gets it deep in his soul today. You see the enemy, he's a liar. God has an amazing plan for your life. He created you on purpose and nobody else like you for such a time as this. It will be worth it. You will be a blessing and you will find joy if you just trust Jesus in this process. If you find somebody to be real with, to open up with, In just a minute, Pastor Matt's gonna come and share with you maybe some next steps that you can take to get the help you're looking for. But before he shares that, I'd like for you to pray this with me. Just bow your heads if you're able to. Maybe for you, today is the first time in your life to say, Jesus, I need you to lead my life. Jesus, today I need to come to you and give you the brokenness of my heart. Maybe it's not a first time decision. Maybe for some of you, it's a rededication of your heart to Christ. You, maybe years ago, you asked Jesus into your life, but you've been doing your own thing, going your own way, and you have found yourself in a place of great brokenness. It is not okay on the inside of your heart. And today's this moment where you can come home to Jesus and say, I need your healing. I need your restoration. I need you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. So if that's you today, would you pray with this, this with me? Say this in your heart, Lord Jesus, right now in this moment, I commit my life to you. Jesus, I trust you with my life. Jesus, I need your hope and your healing and your peace and your joy. Jesus, you know my mistakes, you know my sin, you know my failures. Man, I confess that to you is wrong. And I thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you for your hope and your love and your joy and your peace. Would you fill me with your presence? Would you fill me with your hope in Jesus' name? And everybody said, Amen.